0: Moros is at it again. He never quits. Neither should you. The FBI and Catholics. What the is their problem? Seriously. Another head shaker story. And it just gets worse. A very strange school assignment. You ain't gonna believe this one, folks. It's beyond the pale welcome to the jay sheldon show it's wednesday yay we're halfway through the week just getting started on our wednesday and uh, oh my god, putting this show together today tonight was just uh it was a nightmare but there's there's nothing going on and there's a lot going on if you dig a little deeper you'll find out and we dug and we found out All that and more, plus, of course, continuing our book. We're up to Chapter 8 in Treasure Island, and we will have that for you coming up later on. Hey, you tired of that disgusting brown water, liberal-flavored coffee crap you've been drinking? Do yourself a favor. Check out Blackout Coffee. Be awake, not woke. Get some coffee with values, We love blackout coffee. I personally recommend it. I drink it all the time. I have it with me on the show. I have it in the morning, at lunch, you name it. Personally recommend this stuff. It is a coffee company that is dedicated not only to making the best coffee, but to our American values. A great reason to help support this company. They work with local co-ops, American farmers, to grow the premium, best beans. They have a slow roast process, which means when you order, and only once you order, these are not pre-roasted, usually 24 to 48 hours after you order, they roast your beans, ship them out another few days to get to you, and you've got a bag of fresh roasted coffee beans. It just doesn't get much better than that. And that really does make the difference. You will notice it, I promise you. Try a bag, just a single bag if you like. Grab a bag of blackout coffee. Use our promo code at checkout for 20% off. Tell you about that in a second. And uh, you will find yourself amazed at the difference between this coffee and the stuff you buy on the shelf night and day folks this company believes in our traditional values American values honesty integrity family they're all about that and all about making good coffee use that promo code at blackout coffee you can lose use the link in our show notes it's the top link in there but when you check out use the promo code j20 j-a-y-20 and that will get you 20 percent off your first order That's a hell of a deal. Pick up an extra bag if you want for gift giving. It's a great idea for Christmas. And yeah, you still got time if you order now. You still got time to get it in time for the holidays. Serve it up at your holiday parties and give a bag or two away for gifts. They will love them. I promise you got some great holiday flavored coffees. And of course, all their regular roasts over there. Promo code J20 at checkout that gets you that twenty percent discount off your first order. Blackout Coffee. Thank you, folks. We appreciate you being part of this show. We really, really do. All right. The man who is responsible, perhaps more than almost anyone, for destroying this company, that country. (laughs) No, it's not Joe Biden and his administration. It's. George Soros, and he never stops. And he is quietly targeting a brand new voting bloc. This head shaker story just keeps getting worse and worse. And why is this man allowed to continue to operate in this country? He has done more to bring this country and tear it apart, which is his plan, than nearly anyone. And now this broke from the Daily Caller. The Soros Philanthropic Network has dumped massive amounts of cash into left of center Latino advocacy and political mobilization efforts in 2022 that according to recently released disclosures. Now, if you haven't noticed, if you are on X or many of the other social media platforms, the black voter is very much giving up on the Democratic Party because they are realizing the Democratic Party has done nothing but keep them down for years decades. And just now they're waking up and realizing that you're seeing groups like Blacks for Trump and, in fact, Latinos for Trump, who are very strong these days. And I'm telling you, if the Democrats lose the Black and Latino vote, it is over for generations to come. Let us pray. The Open Society Policy Center, Foundation to Promote Open Society and the Open Society Institute, all of these arms of Soros poured tens of millions of dollars into Latino voter mobilization groups and left-wing Latino advocacy groups, buying up Latino media, plotting with Democratic strategists, multi-million dollar grant deluge came along just as Democratic support has been declining among Hispanics, suggesting the Soros empire is purposely targeting this key block of voters. Do not be fooled. Nothing has changed. They are destroying your life, these Democrats, and they will continue. They really Really seriously you think about it. They don't give a rat's ass about you. You are simply a number and a vote, and that's all they care about no matter what they tell you. The nonprofit Equis Institute and Equus Labs It's a five oh one C Sister Group pulled in a combined thirty five over million dollars from the Soros Foundation to promote open society and the policy center. Man. Founded in 2019 to massively increase civic participation among Latinos in the country, the group seeks to be a resource that develops actionable recommendations for practitioners. In other words, influencing your vote. Don't buy it, don't believe it. Look, I don't have a very big Latino audience. But for what you know, or if you have friends, what? Just please, do not buy it. Convince your friends they are getting screwed left, right, and center. And now Soros pouring tens of millions of dollars into marketing. Historically, Hispanic voters have favored the Democratic Party, although that trend seems to be a bit. Up in the air these days. Democrats won 71% of the Hispanic vote in 2016, but that's dropped eight points, 63% in 2020. That, according to Democratic data from Catalyst. And Republicans are seeing this decline as evidence the GOP messaging and agenda is appealing to Hispanics. Well. It's fine to get the message out there, Republicans, but what you have to do is action. Do something, or you will learn just like the Democrats are learning, messaging means nothing if it doesn't come with action. They're getting very nervous, as well they should be, because people are waking up and people are realizing You're not doing crap for me. Nothing. So I'm not voting for you anymore. And good on you, those of you who are waking up. This man's got more money than Carter's got little pills, as the old-time expression goes. And he spends a great deal of it trying to get idiot prosecutors elected who just let the criminals go, turn a blind eye, have ruined our justice system. And now this. Man. Going up a little higher on the justice system food chain, what in God's name is wrong with the FBI? Oh, you got a few hours? (laughs) Really? This is from the Washington Examiner. The FBI, talk about a head shaker, interviewed Catholic priests and a choir director while probing churches. Mm. Yeah. Spoke with two church leaders, compiling a controversial internal memo that took aim at certain traditionalist Catholics, according to a report published Monday just two days ago by the House Judiciary Committee, detailed the FBI's behind-the-scenes efforts, including two interviews with a priest and a choir director from a church affiliated with the Society of St. Plus X that took place ahead of the FBI's field office in Richmond, Virginia, Initially releasing this memo in January. It retracted the memo in February after it got a ton of backlash, whistleblower making the memo public. They have since repeatedly condemned it for not meeting FBI standards. Nevertheless, They went and interviewed a priest and a choir director. The Washington Examiner verified those interviews did take place, unclear what information the FBI was trying to find when they interviewed them. It only shows the interviews related to an arrested person with a history of incendiary online posts. The person who was found in possession of Molotov cocktails, smoke bombs, smoke grenade, and firearms had attended their church. Really? There you go. Unbelievable. We're gonna get the Sunday people. And it's going to come from right within our walls. As society, the justice system, which is already a police state, continues towards collapse. November 2024 cannot possibly come soon enough. Insane. Okay, I hope you're sitting down. Because I got another one for you that, if nothing I've said tonight so far has been a head shaker, and it has, this one goes beyond all that. From the Daily Signal, links in our show notes. A school, here we go. What's our number one rule on this show? Leave the freaking kids alone. Get this. A school assigned a girl to sleep with a boy who identifies as trans. That's not all. They never notified the parents of this assignment. This is. What? An 11-year-old girl received an assignment to share a bed with a male student who identifies as a transgender girl, while on a cross-country school trip, according to a demand letter sent on Monday. That girl's parents are now calling on the public school system to provide answers. (laughs) Really? You think? I want answers, I want them now, and to clarify their policies related to children who identify as transgender." Wow. The Jefferson County School Board asked to clarify whether JCPs will continue the practice of intentionally withholding information about rooming accommodations from parents, who these parents, by the way, very much objected to their kids rooming with a student of the opposite sex, biological sex, not what you feel like you are today. Today I want to be a raccoon. I think I'll be a lamppost. This practice renders it impossible for parents to make informed decisions about their kids' privacy, upbringing, participation in school-sponsored programs. Additionally, our clients request information related to JBR1 and the ability to opt out of this rooming policy for future school trips. Their daughter, who's in the fifth grade, went on a a JCPS-sponsored trip to Philadelphia and Washington, June 2023. They repeatedly told parents that boys and girls on the trip would be roomed on different floors. Chaperones told the students that boys would not even be allowed to visit the girls' floor and vice versa. But apparently, because this boy identifies as a trans girl, they forced this girl, assigned her, to sleep with the boy. If there is not a major, major lawsuit that comes out of this event, I, man, it's, it's beyond. Senator Cruz back at it again. I love this guy. There's a couple of senators up there who do not take any crap from anybody. Ted Cruz is one of them. He put Director Array, the FBI director, what a joke, over the coals, over his handling of the investigation into Hunter and Joe Biden. This is a small clip, but a good example of how it went. Is the FBI, do they make a routine practice of allowing partisan political optics to prevent investigating serious evidence of corruption? My instructions to our people on this and on every other investigation are that we are to follow the facts wherever they lead, no matter who likes it, no matter what political influence. Then why there didn't may you get the there. GPS data on where Hunter Biden and Joe Biden were? Again, Senator, with respect, I can't discuss but, but it's an not ongoing with investigation. And, and, and Director Ray, you and I have gone round and round on this, because I understand any time you're asked about this, the answer is it's an ongoing investigation. Of course, the investigation isn't ongoing. You're not doing the work. You got whistleblowers pointing out that you're not doing the work and you are hiding behind the skirts of the attorney general. Ouch. But there you go. Cruz has had it with this idiot. And I can't say I blame him. Hiding behind the skirts of the attorney general. (laughs) Go Ted Cruz. Look, love him or hate him. The guy calls a spade a spade. He puts it out there. Thank God for that. Because there's a lot of these rhino Republicans, Democrat idiots, politicians in general who really just don't give a crap about you until it becomes voting season and then they only care that you send them your vote and after that, you can just go piss off. Our House Speaker, Mr. Johnson, who got off to a banging start I was starting to become impressed with the things that he does. I, You know what? We are followed at 11 o'clock here on Rumble by the Dan Bongino Show. Almost three million viewers. Dan Bongino doesn't know me from the Easter Bunny, nor should he. I'll tell you right now, I'm a huge fan of his show. When we get done with this show, we go over, we watch Dan's show every day. I never miss an episode and he says he's exactly right, do not fall in love with politicians. Fall in love with outcomes, screw the politicians, who they are, what are they doing? And Dan is exactly right, I give him a hat tip and credit for that because he's the one who came up with it and I'm using it too because there's just no better way to say it folks. Oh, I love this guy. I love, you know, Speaker Johnson, Ted Cruz, all these, you know. No, no, don't do that. Look at what they do, look at the outcomes they get. That's what's important. Not the party they belong to, not who they are, not who their family is. Outcomes. In this case of Speaker Johnson, he's starting to piss me off. I'm not buying this. In my opinion, the whole reason behind this crap story is because they are trying to blur out the faces of FBI agents, hundreds of whom, I'm sure, were in the crowd on January 6th. Johnson says, We have to blur this when asked about why it's taking so long. They've only released about 90 hours of many more hours of footage. They have released some. Good on you. That's an outcome we like. This outcome, not so sure. They say they have to blur some of the faces of the people who took part because they don't want them to be retaliated against or charged by the DOJ. That kind of makes sense, but... mm, across the American people to draw their own conclusions. We should not, they should not be dictated by some narrative and accept that as fact. So they can review the tapes themselves. Uh, We're going through a methodical process of releasing them as quickly as we can. As you know, we have to blur some of the faces of persons who. Uh, participated in in the events of that day because we don't want them to be retaliated against and uh, and and, and to be charged by the DOJ and and to have other uh, you know concerns and problems so uh, that's a slow process to get it done we're working steadily on it we've hired additional personnel to do that and uh, all of those tapes ultimately at the end will will be out so everybody can see them and draw their own conclusion so in other words you have to blur basically every face Because the FBI is charging virtually anybody and everybody who is anywhere near the Capitol you're being investigated. You heard the story, one guy who flew into Washington, D.C. on the 6th to go to a funeral is on a list. They're going to blur the faces of some of the participants? Hmm. I'm telling you, I'm guessing it's probably the some that have badges. That's what I'm guessing. Outcomes, folks. Outcomes. Not politicians. Here's a weird story. It's from NBC News. And I very much do not usually put anything up from NBC News because it's just another mainstream media piece of crap. But the story's caught my eye and thought I would share it with you. It's weird. I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but the link is in our show notes. I encourage you to go check it out and read it. Fascinating. 52 years, a man was on the lam from the justice system. He was a bank robber and he never told anyone including his family. His daughter found out on his deathbed that he was a bank robber, Thomas Randell. He died in 2021, not long after revealing he had been living under a phony identity after he pulled off, at the time, one of the biggest bank robberies in 1969 in Cleveland, the Society National Bank. Ashley Randell enjoyed a particularly close relationship with her late father. Treated his only child more like a confidant than a daughter. I think he would tell me things because he either thought that I could handle it better than my mom or I just have this terrible gift of being able to compartmentalize things, put it on a shelf, tuck it away. The man she knew as car salesman Tom Randell. Maybe he'd give her 10% of the story and then I might get 30%, but I would definitely get more than she did, she told the podcast Smoke Screen in an episode that dropped on Monday. Even with that level of trust in his daughter, she said Tom Randell waited until his dying days to reveal the shocking truth that he was not Tom Randell. He was Ted Conrad, who had pulled off one of the nation's greatest unsolved bank heists. He passed away from lung cancer. That's him on the screen there. May of 2021 admitted he's been using this fake birth date of July 10th, 1947, when he was really Conrad, born July 10th, 1949. When he passed away, he was 71. He said, if I tell you, you have to promise you'll not look into it. I don't want you looking into anything. I don't want you telling anybody, anybody. He was working as a vault teller at the Society National Bank in Cleveland when he nonchalantly went home from work Friday, July 11th, 1969, according to U.S. Marshals. Monday morning, bank managers realized $215,000, which in today's money would be about $1.8 million, was missing. And so was Mr. Conrad. They never solved the case, they never found him, he took up an identity, started a family, stuck with that identity. That is just, wow, that is the coolest story. I I don't know whether to be pissed off at the guy for fooling people all this time. I mean the bank ro- there's a statute of limitations on bank robbery I'm sure we're way past that plus the guy's dead so it doesn't really matter but that's a cool story you want all the details it's all in there in that article the link is in our show notes and it's uh wow it's amazing incredible all right i got one more that's incredible and this could only happen in Japan Yonshakudama. shakudama yon shakudama is understood to be the world's largest single firework only in japan take a look at this monster look at the guy standing there and look at the firework that's Yes, I will show you it exploding coming up in a bit. But I got to tell you, I have a thing about fireworks. I love fireworks. They are one of my all-time favorite things. I I know, but, you know, we all have our favorite things. This is one of mine. I am a sucker for fireworks. I will stop whatever I'm doing, whatever's happening, And run out. We live in a neighborhood where every holiday there are fireworks and I am just I'm in firework heaven because some of them are really I mean they're people lighting them off personally but here we have these what are just short of professional fireworks they're insane beautiful. The best firework I ever saw I cannot remember the year But it was at the KLCC, you know, the Petronas Twin Towers in Kuala Lumpur, in Malaysia. They let off at the end of their show. You have the usual grand finale where all the fireworks go up. And then it died down and they shot up one what's known as a chrysanthemum, which is just it spreads out like that you can see the streams it looks like a giant chrysanthemum but this thing was so big I have never seen a firework this big in my life it was white and it, the circle it created dwarfed the Patronus Twin Towers it was it I, I'll be honest with you it made me cry I'm serious that's how emo I get about fireworks well This is what is believed to be the world's largest ever firework. Take a look at this. Look at that thing. Man, there's no sound. Sadly, it may come in when the firework takes off. Look at that. Now watch. You get to see it. There it is. There it goes. It gets better, by the way. Boom. That's a chrysanthemum. That's... Now watch. Look at... The, oh, my God. That is insane. Play that part again. Look at that. Wow. Man. The world's largest firework. Holy crap, can you imagine the noise of the boom when that thing went off, you see the size of that thing, it was huge, (laughs) that's insane, alright, hey before we get into our book a quick reminder please hit that follow button if you haven't already, we really do appreciate those of you who do that, it helps the show out a lot, absolutely free for you, we don't spam your inbox. Don't worry about that if you want you can sign up for a free rumble account and it's easy to do that is also free they don't spam your inbox just get yourself a free account you don't have to post videos or do live shows or anything just get an account and then you get to follow the show you get to take part in our live chat leave comments on the show lots of stuff lots of benefits to having an account here at rumble so please do that all right right now. And thank you to those of you who have done it. I really do appreciate it. It helps the show a lot. Be sure to hit that follow button and check out our sponsors. Don't forget for Christmas presents, Blackout Coffee. Brilliant idea. Check the link in our show notes. Okay, you ready? Yeah, it's Treasure Island in 1883. This book was first published. It is an amazing adventure story. I think Every kid, well, back in the day when they made kids read, this was one of the required readings, as well it should be, because it is a classic. We are up to chapter 8, and this is called At the Sign of the Spyglass. When I had done breakfasting, the squire gave me a note addressed to John Silver. At the sign of the spyglass. told me I should easily find the place by following the line of the docks, keeping a bright lookout for a little tavern with a large brass telescope for a sign. I set off, overjoyed at this opportunity to see some more of the ships and seamen, and picked my way among a great crowd of people, carts and bales, for the dock was now at its busiest, until I found the tavern in question. It was a bright enough little place of entertainment. Sign was newly painted, the windows had neat red curtains, floor cleanly sanded. There was a street on each side and an open door on both, which made the large low room pretty clear to see in, in spite of the clouds of tobacco smoke. The customers were mostly seafaring men. They talked so loudly that I hung at the door almost afraid to enter. As I was waiting, a man came out of a side room. At a glance, I was sure he must be Long John. His left leg cut off close to the hip, and under the left shoulder he carried a crutch, which he managed with wonderful dexterity, hopping about on it like a bird. He was very tall and strong, with a face as big as a ham, plain and pale, but intelligent, smiling. Indeed, he seemed in the most cheerful spirits, whistling as he moved about among the tables, with a merry word or a slap on the shoulder for the more favored of his guests. Now, to tell you the truth, from the very first mention of Long John in Squire Talani's letter, I'd taken a fear in my mind that he might prove to be the very one-legged sailor whom I'd watched for so long at the old benbow. But one look at the man before me was enough. I'd seen the captain, black dog, the blind man pew, and I thought I knew what a buccaneer was like. A very different creature, according to me, from this clean, pleasant-tempered landlord. I plucked up the courage at once, crossed the threshold, and walked right up to the man where he stood, propped on his crutch, talking to a customer. Mr. Silver, sir, I asked, holding out the note. Yes, my lad, said he, such is my name to be sure. And who may you be? Then he saw the squire's letter, and he seemed to give me something almost like a start. Oh, he said quite loudly and offered his hand. I see. You're our new cabin boy. Pleased to see you. And he took my hand in his large, firm grasp. And just then, one of the customers at the far side rose suddenly and made for the door. It was close by him. He was out on the street in a moment, but his hurry had attracted my notice. I recognized him at a glance. It was the tallow-faced man wanting two fingers who'd come first to the Admiral Benbow. Oh, I cried, stop him, it's Black Dog. I don't care two coppers who he is, cried Silver, but he hasn't paid his score. Harry, run and catch him. One of the others who was nearest the door leaped up, started in pursuit. If he were Admiral Hawk, he shall pay his score, cried Silver, then relinquishing my hand. Who did you say he was? Black what? A uh, dog, sir, said I, has mister Tollney not told you of the buccaneers? He was one of them. So cried Silver, in my house Ben, run and help Harry. One of these swabs, was he? Was that you drinking with him, Morgan? Step up here. The man who we called Morgan, an old grey haired, mahogany faced sailor, came forward pretty sheepishly. Rolling is quit. Now, Morgan, said Long John very sternly, <clears throat> you never clapped your eyes on that black, black dog before, did you now? Not I, sir, said Morgan with a salute. You didn't know his name, did you? No, sir. By the powers, Tom Morgan, it's as good for you, exclaimed the landlord. "'If you'd mixed up with the like of that, "'you'd never put another foot in my house. "'You may lay to that.' "'And what was he saying to you?' "'I I don't rightly know, sir,' answered Morgan. you call that a head on your shoulders "'or a blessed dead eye?' cried Long John. "'Don't rightly know, don't you? "'Perhaps you don't happen to rightly know "'who you was speaking to, perhaps. "'Come now.' What was he, John? Voyages? Captains? Ships? Pipe up. What was it? We was a-talkin' of keel-hauling, answered Morgan. Keel-hauling, was you? Had a mighty suitable thing, too, and you may lay to that. Get back to your place for a lubber, Tom. And then, as Morgan rolled back to his seat, Silver added to me in a confidential whisper that was very flattering, as I thought. He's quite an honest man, Tom Morgan, only stupid. And now he ran on again aloud, Let's see, Black Dog. No, I don't know the name, not I. Yet I kind of think I've, yes, I've seen the swab. He used to come here with a blind beggar, he used. That he did, you may be sure, said I. I knew that blind man, too. His name was Pew. It was, cried Silver, now quite as excited. Pew, that were his name for certain. Ah, he looked a shark, he did. If we run down this black dog now, there'll be news for Captain Trollody. Ben's a good runner. Few seamen run better than Ben. He should run him down hand over hand by the powers he talked to. Keel hauling, did he? I'll keel haul him. All the time he was jerking out these phrases, he was stumping up and down the tavern on his crutch, slapping tables with his hand, and giving such a show of excitement as would have convinced old Bailey Judge or a Bow Street runner my suspicions had been thoroughly reawakened on finding Black Dog at the spyglass, and I watched the cook narrowly, but he was too deep, too ready, and too clever for me. By the time the two men had come back out of breath, confessed what they had lost track in a crowd, and were scolded like thieves, I would have gone bail for the innocence of Long John Silver. "'See here now, Hawkins,' said he, "'here's a blessed hard thing on a man like me now, ain't it? "'There's Captain Trawl and me, and what's he to think? "'Here I've confounded son of a Dutchman "'sitting in my own house, drinking my own rum. "'Here you comes tells me of it plain, "'and here I give, um, give us all the slip before my blessed deadlights. "'Now, Hawkins,' You do me justice with the captain. You're a lad you are, but you're smart as paint. I see that when you first came in. Now here it is. What could I do with this old timber I hobble on? When I was an A.B. Master Mariner, I'd have come up alongside him hand over hand and broached him into the brace of old shakes I would. And now, and then, All of a sudden, he stopped. His jaw dropped as though he'd remembered something. The score, he burst out. Three goes a rum. Why, shiver me timbers if I hadn't forgotten my score. And falling on a bench, he laughed until the tears ran down his cheeks. I couldn't help joining, and we laughed together, peel after peel, until the tavern rang again. Ha! What a precious old sea-calf I am, he said at last, wiping his cheeks. You and me should get on well, Hawkins, for I'll take my Davy, and I should be rated ship's boy. But come now, stand by to go about. This won't do. Duty is duty, messmates. I'll put on my old cocked hat, step along of you to Captain Trelawney, and report this here affair. For mind you, it's serious, young Hawkins. Neither you nor me's come out of it with what I should make so bold as to call credit. Nor neither says you not smart. None of the pair of us is smart. But dash my buttons, that was a goodin' about my score. And he began to laugh again, so heartily that, though I didn't see the joke as he did, I was again obliged to join him in his mirth. On our little walk along the quays, he made himself the most interesting companion, telling me about the different ships we passed by their rig, tonnage, nationality, explaining the work that was going forward. How one was discharging, another taking in cargo, and a third making ready for sea. And every now and then, telling me some little anecdote of ships or seamen, or repeating a nautical phrase that I'd learned it perfectly, I began to see that here was one of the best possible shipmates. And we'll pick that up again tomorrow and continue on with Treasure Island from 1883. Wow, what a book. (laughs) All right, folks, thanks so much for popping by. really appreciate it. Please give that follow button a hit. Check out some of our sponsors. Pick yourself up a blackout coffee bag for Christmas. And uh, I will see you all again tomorrow. Have a great Wednesday.